0: You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Well, welcome. I'm glad you're here, whether online or in person. I kind of feel like I'm in part of a bad magic trick. Jimmy's up here and he's singing beautifully and then you close your eyes and you open your eyes and then it's me. So, um, luckily, I like to talk and I can't sing, so we'll go from there. But I am excited to be able to bring a message this morning. Uh, Brady has asked me twice before, and I just wasn't in a place that I could. But this time it worked out, so I'm here, so I'm excited. And he said that I could either continue with the uh, trust is greater or equal to fear, or do whatever I wanted. Now, those who know me that say I could do whatever I wanted, this is exciting. No. I'm going to do kind of a combination of the two. I'm going to take a break from the Exodus story, but I'm going to continue with trust being greater or equal to fear. Because I want to talk about sin. Not all sin, just one sin, and maybe just the little fingernail of this sin. Because I think this sin is greatly fueled by fear. And that's not to say later we can blame our sin on fear. But I want to see how it pushes us to not trust God. This is a sin that has changed the relationship between God and mankind since the beginning. And it is since it has creeped and even stepped and permeated into all of culture, all of society, to the point where in the U.S. we probably deal with this in one way or another almost on a daily basis. It has affected the words we use and the way we communicate, but dangerously enough at the same time in our times of confession and repentance, it sometimes come across as benign and not troublesome at all. And so we missed it. So, what sin is it? Hey, Jack? Did, did you eat a cupcake? No, no. You didn't eat a cupcake? No. You sure you didn't eat a cupcake? No. Hmm. Last couple minutes? No. No cupcake for Jack? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Lying. I'm glad you, I told First verse too. I said, I'm glad you guys liked that because the alternative was a clip from any major news channel. So we can still be friends. I'm still friends with them. We're good. But I gave lying a really big buildup, right? So does it really match up to that buildup? Let's just take a couple of bullet points through Scripture just to look at first. You have the serpent telling Eve surely you will not die. So you have the first lie basically digging the first grave. And then you have Cain killing his brother and God asking him, where's your brother? My brother's keeper. And then you fast forward, and you've got Abram twice calling his wife his sister. And there's more to that story, but God still has to come in and take care of things, even though technically she was his half-sister. And then you have what Jacob and his mother tag team lying deceit to, to get Esau's blessing from Isaac. And then you have Jacob's own kids lying to Shechem and his dad, and basically a whole city, to get revenge for what happened to their sister. And then you fast forward to the temple courts and the money changers. And then you have the false witnesses and their perjury the night Jesus was arrested. And then we have Peter, right, and his denials, which really in turn were just three lies. But I think we know the extent to which lying has affected all of us. And you can kind of figure that out by asking yourself one question. How many things do I not trust? Do I have trouble trusting things? If you don't mind raising your hand, how many of you guys have trouble trusting politicians? Either end of the aisle, right, or either side. How many of you guys have trouble trusting the news, right? Everybody has an expert. Now, if those two are bad, how many of you guys have trouble trusting the weatherman? That guy will ruin your day, right? No, he tries hard. What about advertisements, right? Because it's got to be true if it's in print or on a commercial, or uh, salespeople, used car, or otherwise, right? Sometimes friends, and we all have that family member, and even sometimes church. Just ask yourself, what do I have trouble trusting to see how much it's really crept in? But I also said that it affects our language and the words we use. So here's just a short list of words: truly, I mean it, not even kidding, seriously and I swear. Now, seriously, and I swear you used to be on a list of words that were considered words that liars use. They use to convince you of something. Now, these are words and phrases we use on a regular basis when we tell the truth to get people to believe the everyday in and out. And I know I've said it from the pulpit before, but even ministers will stop what they're doing, and they'll be like, I just wanna stop right now and be totally honest with you, right? And you know everything they've said has been honest, But there are two things. One, they're having an intimate moment. But secondly, they know that their audience is dealing with trust issues on a regular basis, on a day-to-day basis in one form or another. But even Paul back then in Romans, 2 Corinthians, 1 Timothy, and I think, James will have to tell me a fourth spot later. But one other place that Paul has to write, I am not lying. He found it necessary to write, I am not lying. So lying has been around, like I said, forever. And lying is still lying. Back then, lying was lying. Today, lying is lying. But man has tried to change it, so it's not necessarily lying. It's lying, well, no, it's not so much lying. So now this list I had to condense for time. We have half-truths, creative facts. If you deal with teenagers, you have selective details. You have tactical misrepresentation. I like that one. But they're trying to say something that is is something different. Even within the school system, they put out something for your records or for conferences that is trying to call something that it's not. So if you are gang affiliated or you're a gang member, that's that's not how it's recorded. It's now seems to feel secure only in group situations, needs to develop a sense of independence. Oh, that sounds much nicer, I like that. Or lying is now, shows difficulty distinguishing between imaginary and factual matters Even in church 15 20 years ago, I heard the phrase fun, joy giving lies. Fun, joy giving lies, all right, right? That's odd, maybe a little funny. But here's the thing if you have kids or grandkids, great grandkids, great great grandkids, nieces, nephews, and you celebrate two of Christianity's biggest holidays, then you've probably been part of fun, joy giving lies as a bye. I'm not here to talk about that, nor do I think anybody that came in this morning. Said, you know what I need? I need to know what lying is. I think we know. Or I need a refresher on lying. Nor do I think to benefit us this morning, getting 10 scriptures out of context to show us that the devil is the father of lies and there's no truth in him, which is true, is going to be beneficial. Or taking 10 more scriptures out of context and showing us that God Himself is the embodiment of truth, that He disdains, has disdain for lying and hates lying lips, which He does. But I want to look at truly how fear pushes on us, and sometimes how that leads to lying and a lack of trust. So I think we need to define our terms, trust, our belief in God. What is that trust? So I like to keep it simple, three things. One, we believe in God. Two, we believe what he said. And absolutely the third, believing he has the power To do what he said past present and future that is our trust in God so let's start with simple everyday lies: the lies of self-worth and value being on par with the people next to us being better or at least equal to having that same value so you guys have heard a fish story right got a fish it was this big right the next guy well first that first guy he either ate it lost it it was before cameras but the next guy says oh that big that's great because so I caught one this big and of course the next guy says I caught one this big and generations go by and say well I caught a shark yeah right? well my arm was broken I caught a shark with one arm right and generations down the line I caught a great white shark with dental floss and the gummy worm but it's just we call that exaggeration well that's not lying that's exaggeration well exaggeration is interesting because you get a bunch of truth and not truth and you throw it on the wall and you see what sticks. And so if you believe it, it's awesome, it's true. that's what I meant. But if you don't believe it, oh, I'm just kidding, I'm just joking. But it's all about measuring up, making sure our value is the same as everybody, if not better than everybody else's. But we do it everywhere. We do it in work, we do it in church, and we do it in different ways. I don't know if you guys have been in a conversation where somebody's talking and it goes above your head. This is like freshman year in college where everything just beats up here and they're talking and you're just smiling having no idea what they're talking about but you know they're going to ask do you know what i'm saying you, you get what i mean and out of our mouths without even thinking yes that first slide comes out and we know it's going to be followed up by a second one because what's the next question what's your opinion about that then you've dug a hole now me when i'm put in that position I, what i used to do was i would think i was getting real smart about it i'd be like well what context are we talking you know, I try to get real smart, trying to figure out what what did I lie about in the first place? <laughs> or there's times at work, and everybody's trying to figure out the solution to a problem, and somebody finally comes and says, well, what about this? And sure enough, it checks every box. And out of our dumb mouth sometimes, I was just thinking that, really? Why didn't you say it? <laughs> oh, I, uh, yeah, let's go get, you know, it's just like... And if the person that came up with the idea, or the person that's talking above our head, is been there like less time or younger, oh then it's then it's a real struggle Or there's the silent lie, right? The head nod. Now that doesn't mean everybody that nods their head is lying to you. denny Mallory first service was like the whole time until I said that and i was like doesn't mean lying. But there is a silent lie, right? Especially if you have teenagers who are talking to you about Snapchat, TikTok, and TikTok and, and I mean I truly I know it's tick I know it's TikTok. But content and, and all this stuff, and I get some of it, but you're just, you're, you're shaking your head and they're telling you about what this person is doing and talk about and them, and you're shaking your head, and you're like, yeah. Yeah, because you don't want to seem irrelevant. You don't want your value to be down. So all you want to do is get your phone and go to the bathroom and, and look up and see what they're talking about. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I just said, what? And so you go out and you get in an argument. Because everything you once nodded to, you disagree with. So they're angry you're not going to admit that you're lying and your value go down. And they never want you to go to the bathroom ever again. I mean, it's, but it is, it's that silent lie. Jimmy, Pitter and I, two Tuesdays ago were here. He brought the internet. He goes, yeah, it's got 30 up, five down. And I'm like, okay. And I was like, no, I had to stop myself because there it was lying. I had no idea what he was talking about. He explained it to me. I understood it for five minutes, which was awesome. But it just came out so, so easy but then I think it gets deeper you know and I've already talked to somebody this morning about this we get together in church on Sundays we walk in these halls and we ask each other how we're doing and we've probably all done this already this morning and it's I'm okay I'm good if you are okay and you're good God bless amazing awesome this is great but sometimes it's angry the real non lie is angry I ticked off, I was almost like the church, I couldn't find my shoe because I threw it at the dog because the dog puked on the couch. You know what I'm talking about, not the but you know those mornings. Or maybe your anxiety is up here and your depression is down here and all you wanna do is lay in bed and blink at the ceiling. But you know if you don't get up, somebody's gonna call, unless it's not sarcasm, we'll call from church and be like, hey, are you okay? And so you pull yourself out of bed and you come and you are, I'm okay, I'm good. Or our bodies, our bodies are meant to not last forever and break down. Some days we wake up with new pains every day, right? But we don't wanna be a burden to each other. We don't wanna be like, well, how are you doing? Oh, mm, arthritis in my tailbone is killing me, you know? So, I'm okay, I'm good. Or even deeper so, when somebody is suffering with sin. Whether they're still suffering in it or they brought it to the Lord and they're trying to see what does my life look like outside of this sin. I'm okay. I'm good. Well, no. But the thing is, if we truly trust that there's God, we trust what he says, then we have certain responsibility. The person who is not okay, not good, do they trust that we are part of one body? And those who listen, let's take the sin thing, for instance, um, do we trust what's in here? In Galatians 6, starting in verse 1, it says, Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he just sees himself. And it goes on about examining oneself. Are we trusting what's said? Are we making sure we do our part? Because... The sad truth is that society wants to make truth a liability if you are in any kind of position of power or authority or even if you're not if somebody knows something about you that paints you in a negative light that that lowers your value that that is threatening to us we don't want to put it out there then somebody might have quote-unquote a weapon to be used against us at at whatever time so we have to ask ourselves well are we worried about that or are we trusting what this says But all those lies had to do with value. Now, there are so many, so many scriptures to pull to say, okay, here's my value. This is how God sees us. But I've, you know, that's the nice thing with Bibles. You still find things that are new. So I found Titus chapter 3. Now, I told first service the truth is I need a bigger print Bible. So I'm going to mess up the mic. It says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. I love this. For we were also once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done of righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. One, the certain places that we, none of us measure up, right? But are we valued? Well, one, His kindness and love for mankind, Christ came and was sacrificed, and didn't end there. Then the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And being justified only because of him, that we can be heirs to this eternal promise. So, yes, we have value. And we all have that value. and We all have that option to be an heir. But the thing is, as an heir, we have to be believed. No okay or goods. We have to be believed. As a people of trust, we have to be a people of trust. But there's other lies, right? Lies that we know probably more about is that for gains, for for money, for information, right? Everybody gets that phone call about renewing your warranty, right? About a car you may or may not have, about a warranty you may or may not have. People are after something, they're trying to gain something. Well, it's weird because in our everyday life, we do this. Now, it's not on this grandiose scale of lie because we like to say one's bigger than the other or even a grandiose gain, minor things. Honey, does this dress make me look fat? (laughs) No, it's my fat, no. Am I in the same shape I was when we met, right? Or if you want fear that pushes you and makes you wanna lie, own a truck when your friend is moving, okay? (laughs) Or even, hey, do you wanna do something this weekend? Well, you know, I think something's going on. Uh, I'll talk to, talk to my wife and I'll let you know if, if nothing's going on. Or hey, you want to have lunch after church on Sunday? Oh no, you know, it's been a long week. Maybe it has, always give people a benefit. I just want to go home and I want to take a nap. Oh well, no, maybe you want to go home Sunday after church and watch Michigan lose <laughs> in peace, right? You you want that, or I want a weekend with no interruptions, and that's okay. Or hey, maybe no, that that dress isn't very flattering. Or, you're definitely in A shape, right? (laughs) But we laugh and we scoff at all these people we watch that are out there lying for votes, and lying for money, and lying for power, but yeah, what are we lying for? We're lying for an uninterrupted Michigan loss. We're lying for, I mean, just these trivial little things, a little extra piece in our relationship. But yet we, we, we laugh at other people's, right? It's like, okay, how does, how does this measure out? So, I think there are two huge issues on top of the fact that it's a lie, these kind of lies. Because when I tell somebody, you know what, I think I have something going on this weekend, which is a lie, but I'll let you know. I'm like, I just gained a free weekend. I, 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 I won something. I, I, I got a free weekend. And you take it as a win, and you put it in your pocket, and you go on your way. And then there's times when you're just bowing down to God. And you're like, hey, I've messed up. I, I fall short here. Forgive me. How often when you're in that time of, of confession and repentance do you pull a win out of your pocket? It's off your radar. I got a free weekend. That's the last you're gonna think about it. But secondly, it shines a light on another issue of, of a lack of trust in the way that God wants and has set things in play for believers, okay? It shines a light on the relationship. If you're having to lie for these little things, then it's your relationship that's lacking. Are we treating each other in love? Are we treating each other how we want it to be treated? Can we not tell the ones we love that you probably could do a couple of sit-ups. But where, where is that? Do we trust this? There's a God, we believe what he says, but do we believe he has the power to do it? And I said before, I'll say it again. As a people of trust, we need to be a people of trust. So when does lying start? With a cupcake. How many of you can remember your first lie? I remember it early when I doubt it was my first, right? So it starts early, and I think if it's successful, it can grow, or maybe you grew up in a house like mine where you answer the phone and your parents in the background are like, we're not here, we're not here. <laughs> right, whether it's a relative or a bill collector, you grew up in a home where just these little things and they're not considered lying, you know? It's just, it is what it is. You just grow up and it's successful. But I think a lot of times those early lies and the lies you do now, are not a win in the pocket necessarily but the idea of almost like dodging a bullet i heard another minister talking about lying he talked about four gentlemen that were finishing a semester of college they did all except for one final and they decided to go out and celebrate early and so they go out and they get stupid and they get drunk and they miss their final the next morning so they all rush into the professor's office that afternoon we were all together we were coming for the final we got a flat tire and to their amazement, the professor was calling me. He says, hey, it's okay, it's okay. You guys are great students. I know your work. I know what you've done. What I'll do is I'll give you just real quick each a file. And they're like, wow. Okay, so he separates the gentleman, gives them their paper, he gives them their pen. And he goes, one question. Which tire was it? <laughs> See, I think our line definitely shows itself the same way it did when we were little. And that is to cover something we've already done wrong. we have that misstep we fall we sin we've messed up and then we have a choice we've already made one wrong choice but immediately we have a second choice to trust or to push against that trust and give in to the fear and lie and try to cover it up so let me just go to first John before I continue first John 1 Chapter 5 says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, you can't make God a liar. What you can do is basically say there's no need for a sacrifice, and you're calling him a liar. But John in his epistles likes to draw the line in the sand, good, bad, light, dark. But we need to look at the light, because the, the falling short, the... The sinning is actually, we're still walking with God and we do this. Because within that light is us being able to confess our sins and be forgiven. It's at the point that we don't trust that that sin can be forgiven. That we start thinking about going a direction other than light. And like I said, you don't want to give up on the line. You just keep digging the hole. What's the rule, of, what's the rule for digging a hole? Stop digging it but these lies all have huge potential right that's supposed to be good you have huge potential to become this monstrous thing that needs you to support it on a regular basis and to remember all the details so you get it right every time that you agree or or reference it but you know we can actually make other people sin if they're working off information or things that we've said it's happened in scripture and it happens now Or we can set stumbling blocks to other believers because of our lies. Or we can set roadblocks in front of non-believers. The destructive power of a lie, depending on when you decide to deal with the sin, can be huge. But at the same time, I just want this little caveat. We must be equally as careful and trusting in what God says when it comes to the truth. Cause just because we decide hey I am really working on getting all dishonesty out of me that doesn't make us the Avengers of truth you know you don't want to be that guy that's like waiting for you to misspeak. oh no 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 it happened Thursday not Tuesday you know we're not the Avengers of truth trying to bust everybody when they're dishonest now there are times that we need to come alongside brother or sister and work on an issue but it's just you don't want to get that tell it like it is mentality and I know a lot of us know people like that oh it just tells it like it is one of those people that does not lie. They are speaking strictly truth, and they are being more destructive than anyone else we know. In church, and work, we are going to hear absolute truths about people's issues, about the problems. Remember I talked about truth being a liability? We are going to hear these things that are 100% true, but it's not our place. We don't need to find out that truth about somebody that's having issues and tell everyone we know we must be, like I said, as a people of trust, we must be a people of trust. And are we speaking love, are we speaking truth to one another? Now I have barely scratched the surface, I think, about lying, even the little lies, right? That how fast do you really drive, right? What, what do you really watch on TV? Is that something you would discuss in, in a group? But I've also stayed away from this huge Theological, you know, I think it's awesome, but, debates, you know, there are Jewish traditions, there are modern traditions, all these things that talk about appropriate time, all these huge issues, but if you want to study, cool, but for right now, no. I want to deal with the day-to-day and what's on our plate. The possible speck that needs to be uh, removed from our eye to deal with the, the things we see every day, the things that make us push against trust. First, I want to start, if you guys want to turn there you can, I'm sorry I didn't tell you earlier to turn with me, I move around. In Matthew 10, starting at 27, what I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy the soul and the body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet one of them will, will fall to the ground apart from your father? But the very hairs on your head are numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my father, who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my father. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against his mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves a son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. And there are other scriptures that talk about the grief that will come from following Christ now a long time ago when my older adult kids were little I worked with another sponsor and they had teenage Christian teenage kids and when one would go to a party they would call them while they were there to give them like an escape clause so if there was underage drinking or uh, drunkenness they could be like oh hey I got to go they called I gotta go okay now I used to think that was awesome. I used to think that's what I'm going to do with my kids. I'm going to save them that grief, that peer pressure, those issues. But as I've gotten older and I trust more in Scripture and I see what's being said and I believe what's being said, I view it differently. I don't necessarily agree. And I'm not talking about the times that we kind of duck and dodge and sidestep having conversations about God in certain settings where we don't want to make things uncomfortable. I'm not even talking about saying you're a Christian or you're not. Now, sometimes you'll get grief if you say you're a Christian, but a lot of times it's like a demographic, like, oh, I'm white, and I'm Native American, and I'm male, and I am Christian. But it's when that, that idea, the rubber meets the road, does this grief, I think, start. And unfortunately, sometimes that's when the lies start. Lying, when you're doing what's right. It sounds strange, but... If you're in a crowd of people and you're talking and all of a sudden it turns to gossip or all of a sudden it turns to something just really off and you step away you're doing what's right you are removing yourself from something that is not right according to the one that we call Christ and Lord but when they ask us well hey where are you going oh I have stuff to do Uh, I need to, to be here all of a sudden you're lying for what's right and I think it's because the grief will come when you say, I'm doing it because I follow Christ and I don't need to be part of this. Then you're kind of drawing a line in the sand and I think a lot of this grief will come. Or when you're at that party and you're going to leave and they ask why you're leaving. Do you have truth and say, want, they want me to come home? Or do you say, hey, my family and I follow Christ. We don't agree with breaking the law. We don't agree with drunkenness. I'm removing myself from the situation. That's when I tell you right now we can trust that grief is going to come. But the thing is, people that agree with our faith, people that are a different faith, and even people who think our faith, our trust is foolishness, are still watching us. They're watching to see our words match up with our deeds, match up with our words, match up, you know, to see if it matches up. Because I know this is where I fall short. I I like a good stupid joke, you know, that doesn't match up. I do, and I have to be careful because I know the people around me that I've said I'm a Christian. Well, that's one thing. But then when you start doing what you should, then you change your mind or lie, people are watching. And the thing is, fear is always gonna be there. And it's always gonna wanna push you away from trust. But the thing is, just remind yourself, ask yourself, do, where's my trust? Do I, do I truly, truly trust this enough that it will overcome that fear so that I don't step into sin? Do I believe in God? Do I believe what he said? And most importantly, do I think, no, do I think, do I believe, do I trust that he has the power to do what he said? And I'll say it one last time. As a people of trust, we have to be a people of trust. Would you guys pray with me, please? Lord God, I thank you so much for, uh, well, one, for being you and for your word and for the power, the living power that is in your word. Lord, strengthen us through your spirit. Um, Give us that just extra second of thought sometimes, Lord, so that we don't fall into and to having to lie, to, to feel valuable, to remember and to trust in your word where our value is. And remind us also to trust that if we, if we sin, then you are there. You are there to pick us up, and we have you, and we want to walk in the light with you. Lord, I just thank you for this, this opportunity to come together and to just take a peek at How the world is just affecting us with with distrust and lies and help us to just not be part of that but to trust you and to help others and to show them that we can be trusted lord it's all about you and i just i thank you for that day the reminder and i thank you for all of us here it's in your son's name i pray amen